Merry Christmas. Y'all sound good singing those Christmas songs. If y'all want to, y'all can just come over to my house afterwards and we'll just keep singing Christmas songs. Thank you to uh, Brother Thurl for doing such a wonderful job. And uh, we also were excited to hand out our fruit baskets, which is a, a yearly Christmas tradition of the church that has been here for a long time. And we've actually expanded that to include our friends at the Wayne Reed Center. We gifted all of those families fruit baskets as well as youth encouragement. So it's always good to, to keep doing good, but it's also good to expand that and to include more people. And we also have some blankets uh, to give away to the, today for those who need those blankets. And so just excited to get to be with you uh, before Christmas, to be together, uh, see family members together, and uh, it's just a wonderful time. And it's interesting, it's fascinating that our world pauses in such a powerful way to remember the birth of, of Jesus. And I can't think of any other person on earth that's ever lived where, where we stop in this way. And it makes me wonder, why? Why does the world pause to remember Jesus and His birth? You know, no, no person that has ever lived spoke with such moral authority. When you look at the words of Jesus and you compare them to other teachers, to other philosophers, to other thinkers, there's a power to His Word because there's a truth to it that penetrates our hearts. Also, the story of Christmas is also probably so riveting because at the center of it is a child, an infant, right? And we love children because with a child comes possibility. Because a child represents something so important to all of us. It represents life. The continuance of life. That's what a child represents. And when our churches are infused with children, the church is alive. When families are infused with children, those families become alive, don't they? And ultimately... The story of Christmas is one of such hope is because it's ultimately about that which seems to pass from us. It's about life. And Jesus is at the center of life continuing. Eternal life. And our world pauses to reflect on who Jesus is and why He came to earth and what He did on earth. Norman Vincent Peale once said that Christmas waves a magic wand over this world and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. And I think he's got a point there because when Christmas time comes, it seems that people just get a little nicer. There's a little more kindness. People stop to open the door just a little while longer. And we need that, don't we? There's a remarkable story that happened over a hundred years ago on December 25th, 1914. And it gives us a glimpse into the power of Jesus and the power of Christmas. 
Because on this day, December 25th, 1914, roughly 100,000 men were lined up to kill each other on the Western Front during World War I. The Germans and the British soldiers had dug into their elaborate trenches. And that war resulted in, get this, 37 million casualties, 16 million deaths, and 20 million people wounded, ranking it the deadliest, bloodiest conflict in human history. But something strange happened on that Christmas day a hundred years ago, the Germans began to sing Christmas carols like we were singing this morning, to which the soldiers, the British soldiers across no man's land began singing their own. The two sides continuing by shouting Christmas greetings. And soon after that, those men did the unthinkable. During a war, they began to cross the chasm of no man's land. They began to meet one another. The artillery fell silent. And for some reason, there was a reverence for the day that transcended the conflict. And as a result, they played soccer. They held joint worship services. They gave each other haircuts. Enemies sang together. They began to actually exchange gifts, food, tobacco, souvenirs like buttons and hats. Here they were enemies engaged in ruthless, terrible war. But yet, it was Christmas. Yet there was peace. Yet there was a pause and people became human again. That day offers a glimpse into what can be with Christ. That day offers a glimpse into what will be with Christ. They exchanged gifts. And in the heart of the story of the nativity story with Jesus in Matthew chapter 2, we see that gifts are traded. The wise men come from the east. And they talk to Herod the Great, which if you know anything about Herod the Great, he wasn't so great. He was ruthless. He was a bloodthirsty king. And in fact, they, the saying going about Herod the Great was it was better to be a pig than to be a son. Because he tried to have his own children murdered on many occasions. He put down anyone that threatened his authority. And when he had heard the news that prophecy had been fulfilled, that a new king was born, even though he was some 70 years old, he was out to get Jesus. And those wise men came to Christ and they bought him gifts. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And don't we love gifts? If you ask many of the kids in this room, what's your favorite part about Christmas? What do you think the answer is going to be? It's gifts. It's no secret to any of us, right? We like getting gifts. 
We like receiving things. We like to have some presents under the tree. It's kind of nice, isn't it? And I know there must be some real pressure on Santa Claus right now. I told the story the other night and Wednesday night. But my daughter was shopping on, her, on my wife's phone. Point number one, don't do that. <laughs> and she found something on the internet that she wanted. She handed it up to mama and mama began to look at it and it said, uh, this gift costs $5,000. <laughs> yeah, my face went pale. <laughs> Handed it back to Mama. I don't know if we can handle that, dear. To which my daughter replied, but that's nothing for Santa Claus. And I'm glad Santa Claus has got that one. Because this Santa Claus, this Santa Laws can't handle that one. But what makes a great gift, do you think? I'm sure there's somewhere in your memory right now that you can think back to when someone gave you something. Maybe it was a Christmas. Maybe it was a birthday. Maybe it was just out of sheer love. And that was the gift that just meant something to you. That it just, it was exactly what you wanted. It was exactly what you needed. Those are the best gifts, aren't they? When you really need it and it just comes on time, here it is, and and here's this gift and you just hold it close to your heart. It has sentimental value. It has a use to it. It's wonderful. What makes a great gift? The number one thing that makes a good gift is the giver, isn't it? it? For a great gift, it takes a great giver, doesn't it? And when we look at who God is, God is always portrayed as this giver. Even all the way back to Genesis, it says in Genesis 1.29, listen, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. What's God saying? I'm giving you all of this. I'm giving you all of creation for your enjoyment, for your food. Genesis chapter 9, verse 2, God says, Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. You see, God is the source of all blessings. God's grace is from Him. It's from God. Everything that you see, everything that you have is because of God. God is the giver of life. When we ask, our, when we ask ourselves, where does life come from? It eventually has to get back to someone different from us. It does. Because the thing about all of us is that we are the same in this fact that we owe our existence to someone else. Right? Were you responsible for your own birth? Or did that happen because of somebody else? But eventually it takes someone who doesn't owe their existence to someone else. 
Or otherwise, you have what's called an infinite regress within time, which is impossible. And what we know about the universe is that it had a beginning in time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there must be some being supernatural that exists by His own necessity. He's not contingent on anyone like you and I. And that's who God is. And it's interesting to see what the alternate ideas about our existence and how we got here on earth and where life came from and what they tell us is something very interesting. It's called panspermia. And the idea is, is where did life come from? From space. But yet when you look into space, you don't see any life out there. There may be some out there, I don't know, but I haven't seen any yet. Have you? But that's the idea of where life originated on earth. It originated out there where it's the most inhospitable. Here on earth, it is an oasis of life. When you look into the oceans, it's teeming with life. When you look into your yard, your yard is teeming with life. And then when you look into space... You don't see life. You see an inhospitable, indifferent universe. Where did life come from? It is from God who gives life to everything. When Jesus talked in His prayer, He said, give us this day our daily bread. He is the giver of our home. That every house must have a builder, and the builder of all things is God. And God gives to us in a general and in a specific way. In some sense, He gives to everybody, everywhere. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends His rain on the just and on the unjust. Everyone has the benefit of His creation. And everything that is good comes from God. He is the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. And those spiritual blessings come from God. You know what else makes a good giver? Is their motives when they give something to you. Have you ever received a gift from somebody that had ulterior motives? But you see, God has no ulterior motives in giving you what He's given you. Because ultimately, what can you give to God that's not already His? So when He gives you something, when He gives you life, when He blesses you, He, he gives it because He doesn't need anything back. It's already His. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of, is His. When God gives you something, He gives it to you because He loves you. There's no ulterior motives attached to what God gives you. And isn't that refreshing? And ultimately, great gifts are given because when someone really knows you. Right? When someone gives you a gift that's so perfect, that's so good, it's because, why? Because they know you. And in the same sense, God knows you. He knows you're rising up and you're lying down. 
He knows you intimately. He knows what you need. And that makes God a great giver. So why aren't we more thankful? Why aren't we more grateful? Why do we take so many things for granted? The great thinker G.K. Chesterton said it like this. Listen to this. When we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. Why are we not grateful to God for filling our stockings with legs? Let me read that one more time. When we were children, we were grateful for those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. We love it when those stockings are filled, don't we? But why every morning when you put on your socks, are you not grateful for the legs that you put in them? God has gifted each of us with so very much. He is the good giver, the initial giver, the giver of life. And then we think about not only all of these general gifts that He gives everyone, but there's also a spiritual gift that He's given this world, and that is the gift of life in a son. When it talks about that in the prophecies, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That famous passage, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. God gives and gives and gives and gives. And salvation itself is a gift. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. That God wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give it to you because there's nothing that you can do to earn eternal life. I can't earn eternal life. It is a gift of God. And not only does He give you the gift of salvation, but He wants to also give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is to help you, to aid you through this life. It says in Acts chapter 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I find out 364 days of the year when people aren't so nice, when people aren't so generous, that I need some help. That I need actually supernatural help. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's supernatural reality manifesting in our life in a tangible way. How does the Holy Spirit make His way into your life? The Holy Spirit produces things like this. Love. Do we need more love in our life? How about joy? Do you need more joy in your life? That's from the Holy Spirit. A joy which isn't dictated by your circumstances. That's the kind of joy that the Holy Spirit... It's a joy within yourself. It is intrinsic into who you are because of that relationship with God because the Holy Spirit is living in you. How about peace? 
a peace. Just like that peace, those men that were lined up to kill one another. They found peace. And we need a peace. We need to find that peace within ourselves and not to be living contradictions. Because that's what sin does to us. It makes us a life of contradiction. Also, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But here's the catch. God has granted all of us this gift, many gifts. But He also asks us to receive it. He wants you to receive the gift because you know what? You can have tree, you can have presents under the tree, and if you never receive them, what? They sit under the tree. And there's many people today who live their lives, and God has given them so much, and the presents are still underneath the tree. They've never opened them, they've never received them, and then they never acknowledge God for who He is as the giver. And that's insulting, isn't it? You know, what if you gave someone a great gift and then they just threw it down on the ground and walked away from it? But yet, with our spiritual lives, we can do that. God has granted you this gift of His Son, this gift of life. And we walk away. You know, you can give today by number one, showing up in people's lives. Because that's where it starts, right? That we have to show up. We have to show up at work. We have to show up at home. We have to show up at church. The gift of your presence is the first way to give. By being there. And then when you're there, to really be there. Because you can be in a place and not really be there. Sometimes at home... I can be preoccupied. She's over there giving me the look. You know, they sometimes say when you're at work, you think about home, and when you're at home, you think about work. So you never are really where you're supposed to be. We can give by showing up. We can give by having service and love and kind words. And not to leave those gifts in the boxes, Romans 12, 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. You see, God grants you gifts different from me. And what He wants you to do is to utilize those gifts. He wants to utilize that time, those relationships. He wants you to use them for His glory and for the goodness of the world. You know... Every year, people give those gift cards. Those are pretty nice. Get some gift cards. I'm suggesting that to some of you if you want to. <laughs> but, you know, I read an article, and every year it comes out, same article pretty much, that people don't redeem the gift card. They get this great gift card. It's free money, people. All you got to do is slide the card, right? And then it, you can get food, you can get gifts. But they estimate that every year, every year, $1 billion in gift cards 
goes unredeemed. So man, those are some not so bright people. But the saddest thing is when we leave these spiritual gifts unredeemed. God has granted you a gift so precious, so sweet, so joyful, so peaceful, so hopeful. And all He wants you to do is to redeem it in this life. And you can start today by first saying, thank You, Lord, for blessing me with life. Thank You, Lord, I acknowledge You for who You are. You are the sovereign God of Creator from whence comes life. You are life. And not only have You created me, but You want to redeem me for eternity in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus' life represents life. Because ultimately, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas if there wasn't an Easter. And what I mean by Easter is His resurrection. If He just was merely crucified and died and thrown in a tomb somewhere and left alone, He'd be just like any other ancient figure. There's been plenty of people martyred in this world. There's been plenty of people who were were teachers in this world. But the fact of the matter is, the reason why Christmas matters so much is because He didn't stay in the tomb. That He represents reversing the order of death. He overcame it. He's overthrowing it. And when He comes again, His kingdom and His will will be consummated before all of creation. And life will continue. Just as that child represents life continuing, Christ is life continuing. Will you not receive Him today? The Bible says that if we want to receive Christ, it begins in that faith and the truth of what He says the truth of His personality, the truth of His identity, that we see our lives and we see that our lives are at variance with what is good. That instead of being selfish and self-centered, that I need to align my life with a higher calling, a higher purpose. I need to give my life over. I need to surrender it to Jesus. That I need to confess Him as Lord and be baptized into His body, the church, and begin that walk with Him. It's a walk of purpose. It's a walk of hope. It's a walk of peace. Or if you need prayers of healing and hope, whatever your need is, we want to sing this next song to encourage you. Won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.